We've got news this afternoon that Google is looking at rolling out a possible checking account product as early as next year. Is it a good idea? Something you should hop on board with? Let's ask our personal finance expert. Here's Rabina Ahmed Hawk, who joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Rabina, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Just first off, give us the deets, the details on this uh, so-called Google checking account. Would it uh, operate like a normal checking account from a regular bank? Uh, Well, it wouldn't be like a regular bank. It would be all online. It would be through a mobile app, so there would be no physical branch that you can go to 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 resolve your problems. I mean, this is the way that... Uh, you know, financial technology is moving towards being more and more online. We're seeing less and less branches, um, uh, uh, people going to branches less and less. Um, There will probably come a time where where there'll be no need for us to actually have physical branches. But Google, the one thing that they have that banks don't have is a lot of information about the things that we search for, the things that we talk about online, and just our general habits day-to-day. And them having then control or having some say into your financial future and being able to have a checking account or even credit cards for you means they can probably target you in many different specific ways as to the things that you can actually afford to buy. So let's look at this like a relationship because a lot of us have a relationship with Google and if you're busy uh, you know searching out things on the internet uh, you're maybe dating with Google they know a bit about you you don't know much about them I mean if you actually turn over control of your finances or your financials to Google are you then in I guess, fact, marrying them in a way? Well, I mean, like, even if I think about um, my daughter in school, we now have Google Classroom. So when, our, you know, when I communicate with her teacher, I, I communicate through a Google platform. I mean, it's called Google Classroom, and it's safe, according to them, and I te- I'm speaking just to her, and she posts photos of my daughter. So it's the same feeling. It's like they've got information on where my daughter goes to school. They've got information on my banking. They've got information on who I'm emailing. They've got information on where I'm going because my Google Chrome app is, you know, constantly um, – getting my location on my phone, uh, that's a really powerful amount of data for them to have. And so they can specifically, you know, change the way that you spend. If they know that, you know, you bought eggs a few days ago, they can specifically say to you, oh, go and go, with, it's time to go grocery shopping. Not that there's anything wrong with being reminded of the things that we need in our life, but more and more of these companies are so integrated with so much data. It, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming to think that you know one company has so much information on you and now your financial data too and when we talk about yeah your finances we're also talking i think about trust a relationship of trust and is it going to be a big leap do you think for for somebody to say move all of their financials and their checking account from a cibc or a scotia bank and give it to google yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's, it's definitely going to take a generation for us to trust, uh, you know, Google with our financial um, future. Uh, people, I think, by and large, still trust the big five banks, even though they prefer online banking, they prefer doing things with their mobile apps. They still want to be associated with one of the banks, the brands that they recognize, because they don't want their money to be sitting somewhere in the ether where they, you know, with, uh, with, with an online company where they don't really feel that it's 
being taken care of in the way that they're used to their money being taken care of. But in the future, I mean, it's not just Google becoming a bank. It's also Facebook and Apple getting into the game. There's now cryptocurrency. So there's all different ways that we are going to be transacting in the future. And Google could play a, a, be a piece of that. I mean, if they get into the space where people really trust using cryptocurrency with them and they're using the cryptocurrency that everyone is using, maybe that's where uh, Google might be more, most powerful, where you might be doing transactions internationally through their checking account, but still maybe domestically having a, a bank account with one of the big five. I'm also wondering, and obviously all of those brands you just mentioned, Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, they're certainly very strong and uh, big brands uh, right now, but is this the ultimate validation for these brands if we're willing to turn our finances over to them? In some ways, it is one of the most, um, one of the industries, even though it has been disrupted through tech. I mean, we know whether it's investing or savings or credit cards. All of these, um, all of these industries are being um, being disrupted by technology companies. But really, the banks still remain. People still are using banks, uh, maybe not in the way they did 15 years ago. So yeah, for Google to come in and be able to take those customers, or Apple, or Facebook, any of these big tech companies, uh, to be able to take those customers, really, you know, have them have their mortgage through them, their checking account, a credit card, the way that we do through our banks. That would be a big win. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, how government policy would have to be shaped. I mean, they have all this information, and now we're banking with them. How much control do they have over, you know, the way that we – how much can they manipulate the way that we, we spend? That might be a different conversation. But, uh, yeah, it would be a big win for a, a, for a Google to be saying we're now like a big bank like TD or CIBC or, or any of the big five. Here with our personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. Rabina, we also wanted to speak with you about this piece the other day in the New York Times. I love the headline. Wait a minute. How can they afford that when I can't? <laughs> I just want to read like uh, the first line, which is, I've done it, and you probably have too, looked at a neighbor or friend who seemed to be in roughly the same financial bracket and wondered, how do they do it? How do they afford the elaborate remodel, the luxury vacations that they're bragging about on their Instagram? And is it harder than ever, do you think, to keep up with the Joneses? So I think it is harder than ever to keep up with the Joneses because we are constantly inundated with how people spend. So it's not just about the people next door to you. It's the people online. It's people you've never even met in real life. So you go on Instagram and you're looking at pictures of somebody on holiday and you have no idea who they are. You somehow went down a rabbit hole and now you're feeling like you want to go on that holiday. So we're affected by so many different things now that we weren't 20, 25 years ago. Um, you know, it's just like anything else. We don't know. We we might be making, you know, that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where two people are able to manage their money differently. We don't know how they've been saving for the last 20 years. We don't know um, what kind of family money they might have. And we don't know how much debt they're willing to take on. Some people are willing to just service their debt and have the lifestyle they want right now. And they feel okay about that. And others have the attitude, I want to pay all my debt down. And I don't want to have any payments to any bank, any credit card, any line of credit. Um, so that really does dictate the kinds of things that you can buy. It depends on what you're most comfortable, what kind of financial life you're most comfortable living. 
And you think that's the biggest risk to personal finance, to people's personal finances these days? I mean, there's always been kind of that pressure to keep up with the Joneses, but it's not looking at your next door neighbor's driveway or their backyard anymore. As you just mentioned, it's Instagram and it's all around us. It's just not our neighbors. It's the global village. And is that as big a threat as anything when it comes to people's personal finances? And I, yes, and I think the financial institutions have a hand in this too. I mean, there's now more and more sophisticated products that make it easier for us to tap the equity in our home, to take out of line of credit. I mean, I get calls all the time after eight o'clock at night saying you've been pre-approved for a line of credit. I didn't even want that money, but all of a sudden someone on the phone is telling me that I can all of a sudden access tens of thousands of dollars because they're just calling. Um, You know, I haven't even really inquired about the interest rate or anything, but I know that I can access that money right away. So it's also, it's that, it's the social media, it's the fact that we have access to other people's lives, way too much information about other people's lives, and cheap money and banks willing to constantly lend us cheap money. I mean, you know, 30 years ago when my parents first bought their home, no way would they borrow equity out of their home to go on a vacation. But now that's a totally normal thing to do as long as you can maybe pay it off in six months, a year. What's the big deal? Why don't we enjoy now and pay off later? That You know, I've talked to you about this before. This idea of savings is now quite quaint. No one wants to save anymore. Why do it when it's so easy to borrow and service that service that debt with very little monthly payments. So what would your advice to people to be that find themselves kind of sucked in uh, by this, uh, by the social media culture? Is it resist temptation or at least uh, know your limits or keep your long range, long term goals in mind? It's all of the above, Jeff, and I think delayed gratification is something that we need to reteach people. So everybody now wants it right away. You can get it online. Amazon will deliver it to your door that same day. You can go to the store and basically you see a coat that someone's wearing. You can go and buy it. You know, we need to sort of rein that in a little bit and realize that even though we still want things the way that we've wanted forever, I mean, human beings are human beings. We've 20, 30 years ago, we still were affected by the things around us. But we need to realize that all these things are tempting us to spend more money than we actually have and that our budget is our budget. I mean, if you've got debt and your next-door neighbor doesn't have debt, that's why they can afford that luxury car and you can't. So you need to get your debt under control, and then you can go and decide to buy things that make you feel good, like a car or a vacation or renovating your home. All those things are possible if you manage your money, you save every time you get paid, and you have those 5, 10, 15-year goals that, um, that you know where you want to be, and you try to keep your eye on the ball so you can get there. Our personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed-Hawk, with us this afternoon. Rabina, thanks for the time as always. Thanks, Jeff.